So what were the things that you encountered when you when you first arrived mm. here that you really had to work around or build up from scratch, basically? Mm. The major thing really was around awareness. I think number one reason for calling was asking us, where's our store? Um, <laughs> so obviously, like, you know, we're online, nice. sort of like, you know... Okay, yeah. <laughs> good morning. Morning. I'm here with uh, Peter Allersdorfer in Cape Town. Um, thanks for coming on the show. No, thanks for having me. It's, yeah. uh, it's a pleasure. Eh? So, um, as you know, with every guest, I start with uh, a question. As this is a, a commerce podcast, I'm always interested in where people are shopping, what people are shopping, and so mm. on. So, um, the question I have for you is, uh, what's an item that you recently bought that you really love and why? Um, I, I recently bought actually two things. Um, so I recently bought some running shoes nice. and with that, I also bought, um, a little, uh, thermometer, a little duck thermometer. Um, yeah. And I, I guess reasoning why or yeah, it's, so I think, You know, I guess with a busy lifestyle, you know, being an entrepreneur, there's always a lot of things on the go. And I've really come to enjoy um, going out and going for a run. Um, I actually ran the Cape Town Marathon recently, which was... Congrats. Was, was, thanks. Quite a, quite a um, how should I say, uh, project. Yeah. Um, you know, being an entrepreneur, having kids and a family. Um, yeah. It's not always easy, but it was yeah. really quite amazing, I have to say. And then the thermometer is, uh, I, I really enjoy going for a swim in the ocean mm -hmm. um and and i decided recently like you know it's actually quite nice to see what temperature it is um so it's like around about 10 15 degrees it is really cold here right it is it is very cold <laughs> but yeah. i can really recommend it's just you know starting in the morning going for a run and then afterwards going for a swim it's just really enjoyable so yeah, I can, yeah, yeah. anybody visiting cape town please please do that yeah it's very nice awesome so um you don't have amazon here or do you not yet but not it's yet. about to launch i think we are talking uh, in a few months okay. i think it's it's about it's to happen yeah finally interesting so <laughs> where did you get your gear your shoes and the um, so the shoes i bought online mm -hmm. uh actually at editors.coza mm -hmm. so on the local website and then the thermometer i actually bought in a store yeah um so it's good old school yeah it's good good, good old school yeah yeah, yeah. So I, I think from 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 your opening, I already have a couple of questions, but maybe first start with an introduction. So cool. want to say who you are. Cool. My name is Peter. Uh, I'm originally from Austria. Mm -hmm. um, got a background in engineering. Uh, so I started engineering um, and then somehow by accident got into consulting. Um, I worked at McKinsey for a couple of years. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which was an interesting experience. Um And but I really enjoyed it. I have to say, um, you know, I think you really you you see a lot in a very short period of time, and you learn a lot. Um, so that was great. But I also realized it's not necessarily my passion. And you know, I guess you know, at heart, being an engineer, I think you want to see you know things happening and build things right. rather than just producing PowerPoint slides. Right. So I then got an opportunity with uh, a company called Rocket Internet, which probably mm -hmm. most of the listeners are aware of. Yeah. Um, I, I joined Rocket in 2011. And yeah, and at that time, the opportunity was either go to India or Af Africa. I opted for, uh, for South Africa. Um, so I came here 2011 yeah. and essentially built up um, Rocket's local fashion e-commerce vertical, first in um, South Africa, 
but then it was launched um, in Nigeria, mm-hmm. which is now known as Jumia. Um, mm-hmm. So we did that for two years, um, and I think at some point we realized, you know, it's it's you know, it has been a, actually, you know, I have to say that uh, Rocket was an amazing uh, opportunity. Yeah. You know, like we didn't have any experience when it comes to e-commerce, and you know, someone gives you a couple of million um, euros and and just tells you, look, you know, go there and and make it happen. Uh, you kind of really actually learn a lot, right? And that that was really amazing, I have to say. So I actually had a positive experience being in, at Rocket, and I think having said that, I think at some point we also realized we actually want to build our own thing that mm-hmm. we actually own and control ourselves, and you know. Despite the fact that we enjoyed Rocket, I think we decided to actually, you know, take a step out yep. and and build our own business. And yeah, that's that we've been doing for the last ten years. Um, and yeah, and it, it's it has been a roller coaster to say the least, uh, but it has been fun. Um, and and essentially, what we've built it's a it's a holding company uh-huh. that owns several um, South African assets, uh, mostly in the e-commerce space, um, that we essentially own and operate ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, first question I have is, um, how, how does that happen? So you said you were at McKinsey. Yeah. How can I imagine that? Do you, did you get a call from Oliver Zamba saying, "Hey, this is Oliver. Do you want to go to India or South Africa, or was there no play?" <laughs> no, it was it was slightly different. Um, <laughs> it was. So I had a I had a colleague at McKinsey um, that I. I spent lots of evenings because we had a project in the middle of nowhere. So every evening we had dinner together and just talked about stuff. And yeah. like at some point it just came up like, you know, what he wants to do and what I want to do. And, and, and I said, look, I'm quite keen to do something more entrepreneurial. And I actually then started doing my sabbatical and McKinsey had this program where mm-hmm. you, you know, a fellow program, you work two years and then you get uh, a year paid off. And I started my PhD and I, I was in uh in a at a university um and i started my phd and fairly quickly realized i don't really enjoy sitting in a small room reading books all day long and and in front of my computer and then by accident um that colleague that i had my project with he gave me a call and said look a friend of mine he decided to go and join rocket and he's looking for a partner Uh and and then we started chatting i i met him two or three times and i fairly quickly decided look this sounds quite amazing. Let's give it a try. Yeah. And then essentially I quit McKinsey, packed my bag and the tree, you know, packed a suitcase, got on a plane <laughs> and, and arrived in Cape Town. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So that was, was quite fun actually. Yeah. And like, it was quite easy back then. You know, I didn't have any dependents, right. you know, no family, nothing. And I thought like, you know, if I ever want to do that, now is the right time. Totally. Yeah. And now you live here permanently, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's quite beautiful. Yeah. Um, I can't <laughs> complain. Um, yeah, I as I said, I moved here 2011 and completely integrated now. I mean, yeah. I, I've got a family here. I'm married to a local, got kids, yeah. and and yeah, I, I, it's, it's really nice. So the 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 company that you originally started here in South Africa, I think that was also about the time where we first met, was Zando, yes. right? Yeah. And uh, you shared with me earlier that Zando then later on merged or was acquired by by Jumia. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So uh, Zando is not Jumia. <laughs> so now my question: You bought your shoes somewhere else. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I I actually looked on several websites. Um, so there is Zando still around. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a brand called Superbalist, which is another, I mm-hmm. guess, uh, fashion online fashion um, uh, retail business. I guess. 
Um, and then you've got several, I guess, brands that run their own, I guess, e-commerce, direct-to-consumer e-commerce um, websites. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, Zando is more like a fashion business. Yeah. And when it comes to running shoes, it's not really the go-to place because it's more fashion-focused. Oh, okay. And then obviously, um, they wouldn't have the full range. So yeah. I looked there, I looked at Superbilist and other brands, and, and at the end, I opted to essentially, you know, buy it at the, at the brand directly. So it's fair to say that you kind of opted in to buy directly, let's say, from the specialist, so to say. Yeah? Yes, 100%. Yeah. I think when you look at the, at the e-commerce market in, in Europe and mm. Germany, I'm very familiar with, obviously. We had uh, this moment where Amazon arrived as yes. well at yeah. one point, right? And I think for a good amount of time, everybody was really, really scared mm. that Am- Amazon would eat everybody's lunch. Mm-hmm. The same... Um, amount of uh, scare I would say that everybody has with Timu right mm-hmm. now from yeah. China yeah. but what happened is that uh, Amazon actually I mean they're super successful but it's not like they killed everything yeah? mm. and one of the things that we're seeing is exactly um, what you just described is that um, Amazon is a good let's say department style wholesaler you mm. can buy everything there yeah. almost yeah But if you really are looking for something special and um, you need a little bit more niche or you wouldn't also go to Amazon to buy furniture, Mm. for example, right? You go to Wayfair because a a lot better curated and everything. You go to the specialists. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm curious to see how how it's going to play out in in, in Africa as well when Amazon arrives here, if it's going to follow the same motion. Yeah. And yeah, 100%. I mean, I think, um, and yeah, It's it's about to happen. So yeah, come yeah. come back next year, and, yeah. and I can I guess we can talk about that. Yeah. But yeah, I think it will be very interesting. And I I personally think and I hope it will be positive. I think um, you know the more I guess digital players are in the market, I think the more people are aware, and I think it lifts. You know, as the tide lifts, yeah. it lifts all the boats, right? Kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd, I'd hope we will see that here. Um, and you, you know, you obviously got a local um, general merchandise leader in South Africa called Take a Lot. Yeah. And they're actually quite big already. I think they're doing around about 10 billion rand um, in sales. Yeah. Which for local e-commerce is, is quite big. Um, Do you know when they started? Uh, I think they started before we actually arrived. Okay. There was two brands. It was called one was called uh, Kalahari and the other one was called Take a Lot, and then yeah. they actually merged. Um, it's owned by Nespers. Yeah. Um, and and they just really doubled down. You know, they invested a lot of money and has really you know grown um, the business over the last um, 10 years. And in we obviously own a couple of niche e-commerce brands ourselves, and we always like sort of thought as you know. Nespers invests more and take a lot and they're sort of mm. being aggressive and growing mm. there's always the fear around like are they gonna you know same as you said are yep. they gonna eat our lunch and I think not really and I think it actually is a positive thing because yep. at the end you know I'm buying from take a lot and but I'm also buying from other brands and I think you know as you said with certain products you rather go to a specialist than the general merchandise player because yep. there's better content there's um, better expertise there's actually more selection as well uh, quite often and so I think, you know, both types of businesses, I think, have a, a reason to exist. Yeah. Um, yeah. I typically wouldn't ask that question, but since we are, let's say, in a still maturing market, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's interesting. I guess when you arrived here 12 years ago, you were kind of like an e-commerce trailblazer mm-hmm. almost. Uh, yeah. 
So I, I mean, in, Ger in, in Germany, in Europe, you don't, you typically don't have issues with shipping. Mm. You have the, you have some payment issues, but it's more like technical, yeah. right? So the infrastructure is almost yeah. is already there. So what were the things that you encountered when you when you first arrived mm. here that you really had to work around or build up from scratch, basically? Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, you know, I mean, you would, you would think like, you know, something like logistics is a problem, but actually it turned out to be fine. Okay. Um, I think the major thing really was around awareness. You know, if we would look at our customer service uh, queries or inquiries, I mean, customers calling us, I think number one reason for calling was asking us where's our store. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, like you know, we online nice. sort of like you know, <laughs> they looked at the pictures on the website and yeah. they said, I, I like this shoes, this shoe, right? Can I, can I buy it? So then call in and say like, where, where's your store? I yeah. can't find it on the on the internet, right? So that was really, I think, one of the main things that there was just rather little awareness of online shopping. I think that has changed. Um, I think there's, you know. I mean, we've been doing this now for 12 years and I think there's continuously been like, you know, um, I guess between 15, 20, 30% growth every year. Mm -hmm. So it comes from a very small base, but yep. there's continuous growth. And I think we're getting to a stage now where it really is substantial. Um, I think another challenge was actually around talent. Um, I think it was probably the, the biggest challenge that, especially when we started, you know, um, People were quite a, quite a risk aware. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, if you are a graduate, a high performing graduate with you know good grades, in in Europe, you know these days quite often you'd go into a startup and right. maybe start in your own business, right? Here you would try to go into big corporate yeah. and have like a a great career, right? But it's very safe. And I think um, people have been a lot more aware of risks, you know, um, and and not taking risk and rather taking the safe route. Um, hence, you know, finding and retaining good talent was challenging. Yeah. Um, I think that's also changed a bit, um, but certainly was a, a challenge at the beginning. Um, Do you see um, also an inflow of more international talent into South Africa? Is it something you can leverage or...? Um, there is, I think, in general. I mean, I mean, you know, especially Cape Town is seeing an uplift in terms of like, you know, I guess in more international um, or tourists are coming more, more, yeah. and I mean, you see a lot of you know guys from Germany coming, yeah. and I guess it's just a beautiful place. But it's also, I think, what's nice is it's on the same time zone, mm -hmm. um, and there is a like you know with COVID, I think it has changed quite substantially in the way that it's more acceptable in Europe to actually work remote as well. Mm -hmm. So people would actually now live here sometimes yep. and work for businesses in Europe. And, you know, that is sort of the stepping stone to potentially, you know, work in a local business. Yep. I think the challenge with that still is to some extent uh, visa regulations. Mm -hmm. So it's it can be challenging to get a visa, not because of of the, I guess, that you can actually get it. It's more like a process thing. Yeah, you know, it, takes it takes quite takes long. Takes long and yeah. there's huge backlogs. Mm -hmm. So government... Um, you know, is is not running as efficient as as it should be. Yeah. Let's call it like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I was asking the question because yesterday I was at this conference here, yeah. um, and there was um, a guy that you also know on stage, Leonard Stiegler, yeah, uh, who was involved with building Jumia as yes. well, and he shared uh, one story where. He said there was no payment infrastructure. Basically, Jumia yeah. was rooted in was rooted in Nigeria, yeah. and um, their first idea was to uh, do uh, basically cash on delivery. Yeah. 
so charge people uh, once the the product is delivered mm. and then they would deliver a washing machine yeah. and one main issue was like when they showed up at people's doors they didn't want it anymore yes. <laughs> so yeah. you had to take it back basically yeah. very yeah. inefficient uh, yes. cost a lot of money stuff yeah. like that <laughs> I think that that you know that these kind of challenges uh, I think we saw a lot more in the early days uh, in in other parts of Africa. I think South Africa was actually fairly well established. Mm -hmm. um, I would even actually go as far as saying that when it comes to payment systems, um, I would say South Africa actually is to some extent more advanced than Europe. Yep. Um, the amount of you know cash you would use in for example i come from austria versus here yeah. you still lose a lot more cash in austria than you use here like you know i mean 10 years ago already you could pay with your card in almost every shops yeah. you could use snapscan which is like a you know sort of scanning a qr code and pay with that 10 years ago already um so there was a lot more i guess advanced in that in that regard uh, especially in south africa and it, i think it comes from the fact that you know Cash and transit is is high risk mm -hmm. and costs a lot of money here, okay. uh, and hence where they developed systems actually where you start paying cashless, yeah. um, which I found actually quite you know refreshing. I yeah. have to say, um, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it was also yesterday, and one number I I remember was um, was about smartphone penetration. Yeah, and um, one uh, venture guy said that in 2010, yeah, all of Africa had as many smartphones as the island of Manhattan in the US. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, yeah. 2024, uh, all of Africa has three times the amount of smartphones as the whole US. Oh, really? Okay, that's so quite I, impressive. I thought, I thought that was surprising. Uh, yeah. and, uh, but that uh, confirms why, let's say, digital yes. um, and digital payments are so advanced, right? Yeah. You can pay with your smartphone. Yes tap basically yeah. to pay and stuff like this uh, mm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's 100% right. And I think what you actually... Um, I think what we've seen in in Af South Africa, but I think in broader Africa is, I think smartphones leap uh, leapfrogged, um, I guess desktop um, computing. Computing. Um, so where we come from, like you know, uh, I guess what I grew up with, you know, you you obviously grew up with computers, uh, desktop computers, right? And you did laptops, and then you got smartphones, and that and you know just advanced like that. Versus here, like you know, the consumers here they didn't have any. They didn't have, like had any phone, and they got like the first sort of you know basic phones, and then you know a normal household wouldn't buy a, a desktop computer, yeah. and they would jump straight to smartphones yeah. um, because that actually happened I guess so fast. So I think what's interesting is that also in our businesses, the amount of mobile traffic we're getting or traffic on the apps is is really high actually um, yeah. because a lot of you know consumers are transacting via apps and mobile phones. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely can I can confirm that. Yeah. It's a big, a, a big portion of uh, consumers that use that. Let's jump into your uh, businesses. The the holding is called Silver Tree. Yeah. Right. And um, is it uh, more? Is it more like an incubator venture builder? How can? How would you describe it? So we initially started off with a combination of incubation and investments. Yeah. Um, so I think we were quite open-minded um, because the market is fairly small in, in South Africa. We said we don't want to just you know do investments or just do incubation. I think we were quite opportunistic. Um, so we launched companies ourselves, but we also invested in companies um, as opportunities you know uh, presented themselves. And and yeah, and I think we've done this over the last ten years and built up a portfolio of like around about. 
10 assets. Um, it's a it's now a holding company that hold these businesses. So it's kind of a permanent capital structure. So we essentially created a holding and we raised capital on that holding mm-hmm. and used that money to either incubate or invest in companies. And out of these sort of eight businesses, I guess the core is really four brands um, that we quite actively uh, actively involved. Yeah. Uh, to such an extent, we are to some extent sort of CEOs or co-CEOs yeah. in some of the businesses. Um, but I guess at some point we realized, you know, starting to focus a little bit actually starts to make sense. Yeah. So the last sort of four or five years, we've really doubled down on a couple of brands. And, and yeah, it has, I think has served as well. Where's the financing primarily coming from? Is that like locals you're raising from or is it more like US, Europe yeah. investors? So it's interesting. Yeah. So we, um, as we started off, we, you know, there's a lot of like small businesses you know, to do like your, your friends, family and fools kind of, of course. F- fundraising, right? Yeah. Um, and that was like local and international. But then as we raised more money, we, we really, you know, majority of that came from overseas. Um, I think, you know, Similar as explained earlier in the conversation around, um, you know, people are risk averse. I think they're also risk averse when it comes to investment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, local investors think a lot more traditional. They think in earnings multiples Mm -hmm. and, you know, they struggle to get their head around. Earnings (laughs) multiple, what is that? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So they struggle to get their head around. Um, Okay, you don't have any revenue. You don't have any earnings. (laughs) So what am I buying here? (laughs) What is this? (laughs) What is this, right? So... Uh, and and I think it's such it was more challenging to actually raise money. Uh, I mean, we have you know, raised some money from local uh, investors, but the majority really came from overseas. Um, yeah, I would have guessed that. Yeah. Yes, um, but also, I mean, I think you know there is a growing ecosystem around um, startups uh, locally as well. So I think it is continuously improving as well. Mm. Yeah. So out of the uh, ten companies, you said. Four are basically mm. the ones driving most of the business. Um, can you explain a little bit what they do? Like, yeah. what what are they focused on? So it's um, essentially three of them are e-commerce business brands, yeah. and they are in the niche categories. So I guess I would call it. We've got the leader in um, natural and organic products um, called mm-hmm. Faithful to Nature. Mm-hmm. Um, then the second brand is uh, meal kit business. So we've got the biggest meal kit business in um, in South Africa. And then the a meal kit business is like HelloFresh, something yes, like exactly. that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. And then the third brand is um, is called Pedevin. Um, it's online pet food, pet toys. Ah, uh, nice. So <laughs> so that's the three uh, e-commerce brands. Yeah. And then we've got um, one skincare brand. Yeah. which is like you know it's our own brand it's, it's basically it's not an e-commerce um, brand as such it's more like a FMCG mm-hmm. but it's like you know a big part of that is direct to consumer um, but we also sell through retail um, okay but nice. it's a consumer brand yeah. Um, yeah so slightly different to the e-commerce businesses um, but also like you know it's 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 you know it sees a lot of uptake a strong growth and what's nice about it is the margins are very strong so yeah I yeah. can imagine yes yeah yeah are the um, would you say acquisition channels are, um, for customer acquisition yeah. are somewhat similar to European American businesses, or are there, let's say, sp- yeah, s- some specifics to the South African market? I I mean, look, I I'm not an expert when it comes to European or American markets. From but from what I've you know learned in the early days of Rocket, and um, I guess my understanding is that it is quite similar. Um, you know. Uh, 
you know, most of our marketing budget goes into, I guess, sort of digital channels. Mm -hmm. And, and digital channels would be Google and yes. Meta and yeah, yeah. TikTok probably these days. Yeah, TikTok is, is starting to become quite big here as well. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, if I would have to split it up, number one is, is Google. Yeah. Um, it's the most efficient yeah. um, uh, channel. And also quite, quite big, actually. Um, Meta is also uh, a big channel. It's less efficient there. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Email actually is a big channel. Ah, okay. Yeah, so email marketing is, I would say, roughly 20%. Yeah. 15-20% of sales come from, from email marketing. It's uh, good for the margin, yeah, if you get it up yeah, and running. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because people always think like, you know, um, I guess CRM or email marketing is sort of for free. But actually, it's not really because, you know, you've got a, your platform that you have to pay for. You have to obviously buy the leads yeah. or generate the leads that cost yeah. you money. And you have to produce the emails. And so if you look at it all in, it is still cheaper than, than other channels, but it's actually not free. Okay. Um, so one must be actually careful around, you know, saying like email is great because it's for free. It's actually not. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, I mean, I think it's an efficient channel. Um, yeah. And it's it's also a nice channel to, you know, create brand awareness because um, you obviously can speak to a broad audience on a continuous basis, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I think that might be different to Europe. And so I think, yeah, that's sort of the top three channels. Um, and then obviously you've got your direct traffic um, comes from brand awareness, um, which, you know, some budget actually goes into offline as well. Um, sort of, you know, billboards um, can be quite big at times or other, I guess, traditional channels like uh, radio is quite strong here, actually. Oh, nice. Um, but it, it costs a lot more money. Yeah. Um, so we don't use it as much because you have to have, I guess, substantial bigger budgets. Yeah. Um, but it is still substantial as well. Um, yeah. But our focus is very much digital. Yeah. And would you say there are, let's say, channels that are n not known outside of Africa that are very specific to this market here? Or is it really like the GAFA, Google, Meta, Apple, basically the big ecosystems yeah. where most of the acquisition comes from? Yeah, I think it is quite similar. I mean, uh, I would have to think about that, but I, I don't think there is fundamental differences um mm. at least I, i you know i can't imagine from from my understanding of you know european markets i think it's quite similar i would say i think if you're not doing it yet uh, knowing the numbers from yesterday something that you should probably also try out is um is whatsapp for business yes we've yeah. launched it yeah we're working on that because so we the opening rates for whatsapp yes. are hilarious it's like yes. 85 90% yeah. uh, once you've got a thread open yeah. with someone yeah in addition to email maybe yeah we're actually migrating to a different uh, CRM platform yeah. so that we use for email but they have also an integration um, with i guess you know currently essentially to give a, a quick overview how CRM works on us we've got a, a email uh, marketing platform we got With our apps or desktop push, we have a, a different system for push notifications. Yeah. And then we're using uh, WhatsApp um, to some extent via Zendesk, mostly for customers coming in. Yeah. And we're now migrating to a new uh, platform um, called Netcore mm -hmm. um, that essentially has you know all of that um, in one platform with the aim also to use WhatsApp more um, to actually you know market to, to consumers. I think it is a bit... I don't think you can be as aggressive when it comes to WhatsApp, yeah. to my understanding. Um, you have to be careful around, you know, not spamming and you fairly quickly get sort of blocked, I guess. Yeah. So you have to kind of get an opt-in from the consumer right. more than with email. Mm -hmm. But I think if you have that, um, I would agree. I, I think it's a much more uh, efficient channel. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> of the last like 12 years uh, running a business here in Africa, did you have like an oh shit moment? I'm pretty sure you had a couple, but yeah. something that you can vividly remember. Um, I guess not. Ma maybe not necessarily um, specific to to Africa, but I guess specific to you know launching a business. I think in the early early days. Um, when we just launched um, Silvertree, we initially put our own money in, right? And mm -hmm. then, you know, we started three companies. So we are three founders in Silvertree and each one started one business. And then we came across um, a business that we felt like, you know, that sounds exciting. It's online shop for selling wine. Um, so we decided, okay, well, let's invest into the business, right? So we committed a certain amount of money saying, yeah. cool, signed the term sheet and off we went with the money for the first tranche. Uh -huh. But then we didn't have the money for anything else. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of overextended ourselves. And yeah. and then, and yeah, essentially I, I vividly remember an evening that we were sitting, had dinner like in, a, in a, some random burger place in town. And we're sitting there like saying, oh shit, like now we actually made this commitment yeah. and we don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> so like we gotta, gotta have to raise the money now, right? And, yeah. and what happens if we can't raise money? Like, you know, what am I gonna do? I've basically committed all my money now into this business, <laughs> overextended ourselves yeah. and 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 uh, what happens if we don't get any money and and that was quite a scary moment yeah. um you know especially early days you don't know what you know you don't have a lot of experience in this space and but yeah luckily it was actually super easy to raise the money for us um you know within a few weeks we closed around um and essentially were able to you know you know fulfill our commitment perfect but uh it was it was like a little bit like oh shit How is this going to work? Yeah. <laughs> But you know what they say. If you want to uh, conquer the island, you have to burn the boat. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. yeah exactly. Raise yeah. the pressure. <laughs> yes, 100%. No, exactly. And yeah. I, in hindsight, I guess, you know, it was it it was uh, probably the right approach um, mm. to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, and <laughs> funny enough, that business we actually have sold already. Not, a, not at a great return, to yeah. be honest, but um, it, was, it was kind of a stepping stone. You know, Good. it was our first investment and you know you know getting involved and and trying to understand better like you know how does actually i guess venture capital investment work yeah. and you know and it really helped us to grow um, our business uh, to that who buys a business like that in africa is it like um an, a strategic is it another e-commerce business a private equity fund so who who are the active players so that specific one we sold to another um i guess strategic buyer yeah um That essentially is also in the wine industry um, okay. and wanted to increase, I guess, you know, their business. And they saw, you know, it's a great fit. And and yeah, it worked out well. Um, as I said, the returns weren't as great, but I think we were quite happy to sort of like, you know, ha have someone else that runs the business, takes yeah. over. And we could, it wasn't really, at the time when we exited, it wasn't really our focus anymore. Yeah. Um, we had wanted to focus on other categories, so we were quite happy. But I think in general, you know, That is happening quite often where it's strategic and it can be, you know, I guess a competitor that acquires you or it can be a, a bigger player in the market that actually wants to acquire sort of more tech-focused businesses. Yeah. I remember one of my personal first angel investments actually also was a wine business. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I was invested in Wink in, okay. in the US, yeah. W-I-N-C. Okay. Uh, a wine club they would send you a box with yes. curated wine every yeah. month yeah. um they uh they even ipo'd oh really okay um, 
but during our holding period, basically, yeah. until we were able to uh, to exit the shares, the company yes. was already bankrupt. Oh, really? oh. <laughs> it was, okay. not, was not such a good yes. story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, wine. Like, look. I mean, sorry, just to add, I mean, yeah. I, mean I think wine. Uh, you know, it was. It was. As I said, it was a great stepping stone for us. But what we've realized fairly quickly is, you know, being quite involved in the business, wine has become quite commoditized actually mm -hmm. locally in the market here. Like, you know, you've got amazing wines mm. in in South Africa. I'm sure you've, you've tasted some of them. Oh, and totally. <laughs> and so from that is like, it's really, um, it's a really cool business because you, you've got a exposure to really a, an amazing product. But at the same time, there's a lot of other players, you know, they actually sell wine and mm. and, and wine farms, the producers are under pressure yep. and they just want to, you know, move their wine. So mm -hmm. then fairly quickly, you know, it's hard to actually have a USB as a as an online business that sells wine. Yeah. Um, that was really a challenge. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm simply impressed by the, by the volume of wine that is produced here. We yeah. With the family, um, the other week we um, went on a safari, yes. and uh, to go there you are basically driving two and a half hours yeah. into the country outside of Cape Town, yeah. and it's really like for two hours straight you're just passing by vineyards, yeah. basically. Yes. Yeah. No, it is big. Yeah, I mean wine is 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 it's a big part of the of the country yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at um, now, let's say in the next into the next ten years. Mm -hmm. What are some of the opportunities um, on the continent or South Africa specific that you feel are interesting yeah. um, to look into? Um, look, I don't have a glass ball that, uh, like you know, magic <laughs> tells me. I think that 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 that's what's going to happen. But I, I, I think outside of tech, and uh, that's probably an obvious one. I think that you know, Africa overall is going to play a fairly vital role when it comes to resources. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of like you know Africa is very really resource rich, and I think yeah. you know there is huge demand from you know big other parts of the world, and I think we'll see continuous strong growth uh, from that side. And I think you know that always doesn't matter as much for tech business, even though may, there might be opportunities you know being more techni technological when it comes to that sort of category. But I think what it will do is it will you know raise the consumers it will in, in, increase income for for consumers mm -hmm. in africa um and i think you know i guess more specifically what we do i think you know we had an interesting uh three four years now you know when COVID yeah. started it 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 was really for the first time where we felt you know getting some uh some tailwind where mm -hmm. like you know all of a sudden you you don't have like this 10 15 or 20 percent growth year on year you know, in that year of when COVID started, as bad as it, as it was, it was a blessing for us yeah. in the sense of like, we just saw a massive uptake. You know, I think that year we grew um, six to seventy percent just in, in that one year. Out of interest, which uh, business line did profit from itch the most? Was it the food business or the brands or? Uh, so it was uh, our meal kit business. Yeah, um, you cook really. Um, I think grew seventy eighty percent that mm -hmm. year, um, and our natural organic product business as well, our faithful nature, like you know, with vitamins and that kind of stuff. Yeah, saw massive growth as well. Makes sense. And also, like even the pet business, you know, people were just scared getting out of the house. Yeah. So getting, you know, you still have a dog, you still have to feed the dog, uh, right. and get that delivered was was convenient. So that was really amazing. Um, obviously, you know, <laughs> I think we all know, and I think it's it's the same in all parts of the world. There has been this massive COVID hangover where mm. you know people now 
all of a sudden we're allowed to get out the houses again yeah. and wanted to consume more traditional um, again. And and then, you know, we saw a, quite a bit of a dip, dip post-COVID. And I think that has worked itself out now. Um, and I think, you know, specifically to South Africa, I I think we're seeing, you know, we'll see a period of uh, strong, sustained growth that is stronger than it was before COVID, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, specifically to where we operate um, in South Africa is just because there's, you know, you know, Amazon is entering the market. I think that will create more awareness. People transact more online. Walmart is very bullish on South Africa, investing a lot of money. Um, mm. And and that will just help, you know, you know, I guess, transition consumers from traditional retail over to e-commerce. So I think as a result, I think we'll see sustained strong growth in the next couple of years um, in in South Africa. Um, and I think the other thing is, and I guess I'm just jumping on the obvious bandwagon, is I think AI. I think we will um, we also see here a lot of efficiency. Um, I think, you know, we are using it already to some extent in our businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will just really make, you know, businesses like ours a lot more efficient um, when it comes to content production, when it comes to just internal processes. But also, like, I think more long-term, I would see also external to consumers. It will you know, drive um, better conversions, uh, more efficiencies, and hopefully with that, you know, profitability will improve as well. Yeah. Then asked the other way around, what do you think won't work, basically? What's something that could totally fly the rest of the world, but probably a bad idea to launch in, in Africa? Um, I think, you know, I, I would imagine it will be challenging if you want to launch your own AI business, for example. Yeah. Um, because of the lack of talent or yeah I guess the lack of talent but also I guess access to capital yeah you know why you know why would you provide capital here in, in a country like South Africa right. you know where, where you can actually probably do it somewhere in the States or probably even mm-hmm. Europe right and I think and I think it is very um, I guess resource intensive you know just I guess from a talent perspective obviously it is you know I mean if you're a developer in, in the AI space you're getting I think a fairly good package these days, uh, and I think it will be hard to to get that here. Um, and and then also just in terms of like you know I guess infrastructure and equipment you need, I think is is very intensive. And mm. I think with that, I think it, I will f- expect it to be hard to launch your sort of you know I guess sort of uh, LLM probably yeah. in South Africa. I would see there is probably going to be applications that will come out of uh, South Africa yeah. that are specific to the African continent. Um, but sort of big sort of global businesses I think it will be challenging yeah. yeah. at the conference yesterday there was a lot of uh, conversation around um, upskilling and education yes. yeah. that supposedly I think will be probably also very yeah. big big market here as Africa has a very young yeah. population mm. I think the, the average age they mentioned yesterday in Africa is 19 yeah versus 44 <laughs> in Germany for oh, really? example yes. and uh, here the average age is dropping and in Germany it's uh, going it's up. going up yeah. Yeah. so yes. a, a yeah. huge 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 yeah. age gap but I think the challenge will be to like, educate all of these yeah. people right and really make them productive yes. but I think that's also like I mean I think it's 100% and I think but it also gives an opportunity I think that you know there's going to be a lot of consumers that come out of that that I think uh, will be better educated, will generate more income and and they also want to participate, you know, in, in consuming uh, products and I think um, that is a big opportunity um, 
in in South Africa or in the, in the broader African market. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the also interesting thing, the interesting thing is that they're also very demanding. So you are know, they? they are very much. Mm -hmm. So like you know, sort of assuming just because they're from a low income bracket, they accept deliveries. You know, in three, four, five, six days, they're not. I think they. I guess it comes from the fact that they are obviously informed. You know, they can see global content. They Absolutely. can see. They know. They know what's going on, right? So yeah. they they actually well edu educated in that yeah. sense, and they're demanding. Um, even though they are, they're quite price conscious, um, and you know, um, obviously transacting via phones, but they want their things the next day as well as you know as as any other consumer. And I think, um, but I think it's a big opportunity. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. We're already at the end of the episode. Cool. Um, super interesting conversation, Peter. Cool. Thanks. No, thanks it for was, coming was, on. No, thanks for having me. And it was it was nice to have a chat. And uh, I'd say we uh, we do this again in five years, probably. I think you should come earlier back to Cape Town. I, I will come back earlier. I promise. To all the listeners, I think uh, <laughs> you know, do yourself a favor, get on a plane and visit Cape Town. I think it's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I can really recommend it. And as you said, it's just an hour time difference. Yes. Right? It's uh, really nice to work from here. Yeah. And uh, I've probably met more fellow entrepreneurs yeah. here in the last five weeks yes. than I've met in the whole last year. That's amazing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Bye. Cheers.